Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. So I believe that these are the five steps to success. Anybody in the world, if you follow these five steps, that you can have all the success, you can have anything you want. Well, now I know that was a big teaser to deliver on, but I believe Jamie does. That was Jamie Liebert, today's guest. He, along with his wife, Sandra, are the only people attempting to set a world record by doing air sports in every country in the world. And they do come from a difficult past, which they openly discuss, involving incarceration, addiction, group homes. And I'm always interested to learn how people can overcome these situations to go out and fulfill the dream. And so you are aware there is drug and addiction talk in this episode. You may also hear a dog snoring. I'm sure he'll get over it. But if you hear some snoring, it's not me. It's not my wife. It's not anybody but a a, a little canine friend. And uh, also... Plenty of other stuff going on in this episode. You can hear how to manage anxiety on the road, what the wingsuit experience is like. I mean, have you seen those people that put on the wingsuits and fly through the canyons? And really just a lovely, deep conversation about life and travel. I hope you enjoy it. We're going to get into it now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Of course, as I mentioned at the top, we do have Sandra and Jamie here today from CaptainManicorn.com. We'll link up to that in the show notes. Doing something that I've never done, air sports, let alone in every country in the world. And I'm always curious to take in and learn about a lifestyle that I'm not going to live. I'm not going to travel to every country in the world and practice air sports. It's not happening. But that's the wonderful thing about this show. We get to hear those stories and those perspectives. And I think uh, there are a lot of tips here on how to change your perspective, some of the skills needed to overcome challenges, a lot of practical advice in this one. One thing, as you heard at the top, he mentions those five steps to fulfilling a dream. But one of those steps contains practical advice around what to do when 
You've already fulfilled a dream, but those dreams don't make you happy. Some people find themselves in this situation. They go for the career. They finally get the dream job only to realize it's not what it was made out to be and they don't like it anymore. So what do you do when uh, you fulfill a dream, but it doesn't make you happy? That's another thing that comes up here, just using that as an example. But plenty to pull out and take away with you uh, through this conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. Stick around on the back end. I'll leave you with a nice quote to wrap this up. Now, here's my conversation with Jamie and Sandra, and I'll see you on the other side, my friend. Thanks for listening. What's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? Buddies, uh-huh. new Pleasure buddies. To, that was a fucking hell of a uh, mission to to pull this off. We tried our ass <laughs> off to get to you, but the Norwegian seas are not fucking around this time of the year. It was it was hectic. <laughs> it was hectic. You were literally trying to sail into the harbor, and you're just getting blown back. I mean, what happened? Essentially, there's because of the corner, because of where Oslo is at. You have the the open sea just creates these waves coming all the way down, uh, and they just build up the whole whole way. So we had to wait until, essentially, until there was a, a wind coming from the north to to not make such big waves for us to make the push around the corner. Mm-hmm. But there was just such a storm. So it's, like, it's timing the waves and the weather and the wind and the storms and trying to find the, the windows to be able to move. It was yeah, because quite- if the wind comes from the south at all, it's fucking treacherous. Huge waves just slamming us into the walls. So we have to wait until it's like coming from the south or from the the west northwest is like optimum, and there just wasn't that many days of that. And when there was a good day, it was time to push hard. So that was the that was well. The- I mean, you know, I I kind of expected that you guys would just like see a big wave and like pull some surfboards off of the off of the boat or something and just ride them into the harbor. Isn't that <laughs> yeah, well, <that's> <laughs> like extreme sports people, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sailing's extreme. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole nother level because it's extreme sports. I mean, it's, you know, when you're when you're jumping off a cliff or, or paragliding, I mean, it lasts for a couple minutes, right? And it's over. But when you're sailing, it's just like a, it's such a long suffering process that it just seems like it's never going to end. So it's a whole nother level of um, seeing what you're made out of. Yeah, well, we're going to get into it all today. I should officially welcome you guys to the Zero to Travel podcast on with Jamie and Sandra from CaptainManicorn.com. We'll link to all this stuff. You guys are trying to set a world record by being the first people to fly a parachute in every country in the world. Uh, I think there's a lot more to the story than that. But anyway, we're going to get into it today. So welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friends. Yeah, honored to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for having us. We're excited. Yeah, well, all of that that you just said was, you know, us trying to do this in person on the sailboat, which I was really excited about because you're like, yeah, well, you can come by, do a tour of the boat or record a podcast. And that sounds great. Just give me an excuse to get out of my loft and into the harbor, but couldn't make it happen. So where are you guys now? Welcome to sailing, buddy. That's sailing. There was so many places and adventures that I wanted to go on this summer that I couldn't because of being on a sailboat. So uh, it was, you got to experience a little bit of the pain and suffering with us. Sandra's been practicing saying the name of where we're at. You know, the part, hard part of traveling sometimes is when you see people say, where are you? And we move so fast and we go to all these amazing places. Half the time I can't pronounce them. So I wanted to make sure I said it correctly. We are in Germany about to visit Neuschwanstein. Neuschwanstein. Yeah, that was really good. That was really good. I have a little, how do you even say it on my phone open? Oh, we're going to be heading there tomorrow. It's a famous castle. 
Do we have something kind of cool planned? Yeah, apparent. Well, Germany's really strict about wingsuiting and all that, so uh, I'm glad this podcast will be out after uh, I do this stunt. Uh, but essentially, I'm taking a paraglider, uh, which is a you know big wing, and we're going to exit off of a mountain, fly over the castle. I'll be in a wingsuit in my base rig, and I'll be jumping from uh, his paraglider and flying you know feet from the towers of this castle uh, tomorrow. So we're here getting ready for that. Just nothing special, nothing really big happening. Just no. another day. The, another is day. that like an illegal jump? Is that why you're saying it'll good? This will be out later because you have to sometimes do this stuff on the DL or. In our podcast, we have a disclaimer that things that we say may or may not be true uh, due to limited statute. Uh, Statutions. So it's. I wouldn't <laughs> say it's illegal on camera. I would say that it's forbidden. Uh, and there's a gray area, and we're dancing in the gray area. There's been many times, though, where because we're traveling, we show up somewhere and we're like, this is an amazing place. For example, Meteora in Greece, they have these amazing cliffs. We saw them. With monasteries at the with top. Mon- with monasteries. I mean, they've yeah. been there for so long. And we're like, how cool would it be to jump off and fly off the top of them? So we found a spot that we could actually jump off the cliffs. Uh, Jamie jumped and I flew off. When we got to the bottom, we're celebrating. We're giving high fives. Well, we were a bit obnoxious. When the canopies opened and we're safe in the air, we're like, woo, yeah, yes. which is like the cardinal rule not to do. Uh, and uh, when we had got to the town to order some coffees, we were like, yeah, we were excited. They're like, what are you guys doing in town? We're like, ah, oh, we're jumping off monasteries. Like, oh, we heard you guys. We're like, I, I don't yeah, know the profanity like- level but of the show, but it was like, fuck, not good. <laughs> so I was like, okay. They're like, yeah, so it's forbidden. And usually the, you know, they take your gear and all that. So a lot of the times we ask locals, but sometimes they... There's like this gray area. I've I've gone off paragliding sites in Montenegro. I've been arrested uh, and told it was forbidden to fly there. And I was like, but I went with the locals. And well, that like, was accidental. The winds were very bad in a in Coder Bay, and he ended up getting blown back. And the only place he could land was this big jetty that kind of went out into the middle of the bay. Little did he know that's where the cruise ships come in, and it was actually international waters. So they didn't quite know what to do with him. But in paragliding, you are allowed to land if it's an emergency landing, which I think that classified as one. But the truth be told, I wanted to land there. It was super sick. It jetted out like... No, Jamie, it was emergency landing. Emergency landing is what I told the government. (laughs) But like, think about it. It's like you're in this bay and there's a... I know the cruise ships land there and it shoots out like two, three thousand feet, like uh, this long harbor, right? Pretend like and there's water on both sides. And I'm like, dude, how epic would it be? It's only like 30 feet wide. Like how epic would it be if I could like land straight down on this thing coming out of the air? Mm-hmm. And I'd looked at it for days and I, and I was like, okay, the winds are perfect. Let's try it. And when I landed there, I thought, oh, I did it. I, this is fantastic. I threw my wing over my shoulder. I'm like getting ready to walk. All of a sudden I approached these gates. I'm like, oh, I'm like waving to the guys. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Took my passport, detained me. It was, I had to talk to like the, 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 the head admin of the entire state of aviation. And uh, basically at the end of it, he said, look, you're not an asshole. I don't think you did anything dangerous or intentional. So he let me go and there was no reprimand. But um, yeah. just another day in the life of traveling full-time adventure sports. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. We always had this saying when I was on tour because we were always doing things in the gray areas, you know, and it was better to ask forgiveness than permission. Yeah. That's pretty much our lives model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree 100% motto. with that. We're pirates. We're straight up pirates and modern day pirates. So for us, it's um, catch me if you can. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep it real. Well, I mean, when you guys talk about doing air sports in every country, 
So the wingsuit is one thing, right? Where you, you've seen that videos, if you're listening, where people are... They call it squirrel suit. People like a squirrel suit, as everybody knows. You fly those squirrel suits, that's what they call it. Are you doing any parachute-type sport? And, and it's, sometimes it's wingsuit, sometimes it's paragliding, sometimes it's uh, jumping out of planes and skydiving. What's the, what's the deal? Yeah, everything you just said. No. Uh, so so the, the record is to do air sports in every country of the world. Now, the air sports that I'm doing. So a parachute, by definition, is a piece of fabric designed to slow your descent to earth. So that's the definition of a parachute. But I'm also flying a speed wing, which is not slowing me down. It's a, a very small wing. It goes very fast. So it's called speed flying. That's one form of a parachute, I guess. Uh, but it's more of a paraglider, small paraglider. The second one we're doing is paragliding, obviously, which is designed to go up. So that's the second record. The third record is skydiving, which is out of an airplane or by definition, Sandra's uh, like um, a paraglider or a hot air balloon. Sometimes there's no planes in the country we go to. Right. So we have Helicopters. To get a creative. We're, we're creative. The, the fourth one is base jump, where I'm jumping with a base rig. Uh, off of a mountain, off of, you know, bases, you know, obviously bridge and tennis span earth. Those are the acronyms for base. So much I'm trying more objects. Yeah, than much a, lower. And it does in a and skydiving I have no reserve. has two parachutes. You have a backup base jumping only has one parachute. So you get one go at it. Yeah. All airplanes require you by FAA to have a reserve, something that if the first one malfunctions, you have a secondary. Mm -hmm. But my favorite record is obviously the wingsuiting because that's my passion is uh, to, to wingsuit. So, mm -hmm. And paramotoring. And paramotoring. Oh, and paramotoring, which mm -hmm. is obviously the big motor strapped to my back with a paraglider above my head. So big fan. I'm trying to tackle literally all air sports <laughs> in every country. It's kind of my way of giving back to like aviation. It's my passion. It's my love. And uh, to do it in every country, I can't tell you the logistics that go into that because they're all different sports. They all take different, uh, you know, logistics and level that I'm doing them has took me 10 years to train for to, to get where I'm at. So it's um, it's mind blowing if you really think about it. There's 196 countries times six different disciplines. So doing all six of those in every country or that's what you're. Yeah, bro. That's the goal. How many have you done so far? Uh, about 55 countries. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and some of them, we haven't done all of them. Sometimes weather, sometimes there's no planes, sometimes there's no cliffs. So it's give or take. The record that we're trying to set universally is to do air sports in every country of the world. So as long as we do one of those air sports. Yeah. Okay. That, mm -hmm. that's what's considered part of the record. Sandra obviously doesn't paramotor. She doesn't wingsuit. She doesn't base jump. So Sandra is speed flying, paragliding, and skydiving. Mm -hmm. So she's doing those three. And her goal is to be the first woman to obviously skydive in every country of the world, to paraglide in every country of the world. Mm -hmm. But if she can't, or to have the most of those uh, in the world. But mm -hmm. I think it's maybe important for the listeners to realize, though, that it's really not important that we ever reach this record for us it was i guess um giving something um of such great importance like to be like christopher columbus or leif erickson we want to explore like doing something original is hard to find anymore like doing being the first to do something in today's society with internet and everything you know that's possible it's really hard to be the first to do something so we, we, we are not in a hurry. We, the minimum uh, that we spend per country is one month. We have a rule. We will not spend less than one month in each country. I think there was a guy that you interviewed. Um, Graham Hughes. Graham Hughes. We love him. Uh, super inspiring. But his like record was to do it the fastest, you know, fastest possible. And for us, overlanding, over, overlanding. For, mm -hmm. for us, we're the opposite of that. We want to take as long as possible 
per country. You know, we're doing, you know, to skydive, it takes a weekend. To paraglide, it takes a, a couple of days. To, to do wingsuiting, to do base jumping, we have to immerse into local cultures. We have to find the locals. I don't know, you know, the locations or logistics how to, to do these when we arrive in most countries. So there's a lot of research in advanced uh, people knowing who we are by now, knowing that we're coming to their country. And then it's like we meet the first group of people and then the hospitality is insane. Then they organize for us to meet the next group and the next group. And then it, it literally takes a country worth of uh, people with similar passions with similar passions to help us achieve this. And we stay at their houses. We stay by rivers. We, you know, we're, we're off the beaten path. We actually mm -hmm. hate cities. So we're always in the nature by rivers, by lakes and the mountains, paragliding sites like that. So mm -hmm. for us, this is a 15 year goal. But I tell people like, what would you do after this? Like, I don't like, what's your goal after this record? Like, what, what, what do you mean? I just, you know, <laughs> and we're very, very goal oriented. So in the beginning, years ago, when we started traveling full time, we were just traveling around and flying and it didn't really have like, um, if we don't have a goal, we kind of just want, you know, we're like a fish with missing a, missing a fin, right? We kind of just go in circles, don't know what we're doing. But by creating a goal for ourselves, all of a sudden, if we didn't get through a border before, it was like, ah, eh, you know, we'll just go around it. Now it became a mission. We had to find a way to get through that border. It had to happen. And it created so much excitement and adventure. And so drama. It was always, and always, lots of trauma, always something trying to stop us. And it gave us purpose to be able to push through the obstacles. So it really helped kind of develop our goal from a mental standpoint. So what she's saying is it gave us obstacles to overcome daily that we mm -hmm. have to try to face and deal with our obstacles daily. Yeah, that's real. That's true. <laughs> Where did you guys meet? Uh, great story. Go mm -hmm. ahead. Yeah. So we actually met in Southern California. Where we're both from. At the time, I was actually working at a bar and I was safe to say full blown alcoholic at this time. I was bartender. Being a bartender and an alcoholic is not a good mix. Let two DUIs. Let me tell you, after just having gone two DUIs, so safe to say that I was at a very low point in my life. And one day, this fully tattooed guy walked into my bar and I was like, wow, he looks like trouble. That's just what I need in my life. I could definitely use more chaos and another bad boy <laughs> in my life. And I... um. I told him to come back and visit me and I saw him actually later as well at a club that was nearby. But um, I, don't to be drink, honest, I don't I don't drink, though. He didn't drink at this time because he had just gone out of prison. So he was completely sober. Yeah, And I was training for MMA like six to seven hours a day. I was just fighting and training seven mm -hmm. days a week. So. so I told him to come back again to my bar, bring some friends. I'd love to you know meet him a little more. And he came I think a few days later. And there was a very distinct moment that I remember that essentially made me fall in love with him now instantly. it's not that important to norwegians remember that because th this is normal behavior in norway <laughs> only in america is so when you tell this for the viewers in america this is not normal i don't the think it's normal anywhere all right well you tell it and we'll see let them be the judge <laughs> so i was in front he was him and his friend sat in front of the spigots where you pull down and the spouts. beer comes out the beer spouts and apparently I had taken too long to pour a second beer for Horrible one of bartender. His Horrible bartender. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, Wait, I guess if she, it was a Guinness, that's okay. You're supposed to take your time. But. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't have Guinness. <laughs> no, this, we is were, a, this is a we famous date. No, 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 this is like a famous Dave's barbecue restaurant. Yeah. I went there for lunches. Uh -huh. So this was not, this was not, this is like Heineken's and Bud Weiser's. This was not yeah, a classic place. You drink them fast because they're $2 before eight o'clock type of place. Yeah. And apparently I was taking a little bit too long. And what Jamie did was he grabbed his friend's glass. 
he reached his arm around to put it on the inside of the bar in front of the spigot right in front of him. And he pushed the spigot forward and proceeded to pour his friend's beer himself. My manager saw this and he lost his mind. He says, who are your friends? He's pouring his own beer. This is absolutely not acceptable. And all I could think to myself was, who does that? And I need to know him. I need to make him part of my life because that is great. And that kind of set the stage for, I guess you can say that was almost 12 years ago. And I still think to myself all the time, who does that? Daily, I, I do it. things that make you say that. Yeah. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why. We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. Jamie, I saw on your old Twitter, I'm not sure if it's active, not the Captain Manicorn one, but the other one, you said you got a second chance at life. And so... Let's hear a little bit about what what you meant by that. So I guess uh, a second chance at life. So I think I was watching a movie with Robin Williams and uh, Robert De Niro, and it's called Awakenings. And I guess Robert De Niro suffers from a disease. And essentially that disease puts him into sleep for 30 years. Okay. So, and then eventually he gets a med, Robin Williams gives him a medication. And the best way I can think about it is, up until I was 24, I, I grew up in group homes. I grew up uh, kind of a troubled and troubled homes. Um, definitely, you know, a, a lot of problems. It led to obviously becoming addicted to meth, 
shooting meth, guns, uh, prostitution, you know, drug trafficking, firearms. It led to this kind of uh, just chaos of a life. I ended up getting arrested at 24 uh, and I got sent to prison for a uh, five-year sentence. Uh, so I kind of correlate back to the, the movie. Uh, essentially, I was asleep. Like I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't grateful for anything that I had. I was abusing what one life I had. I was having a hell of a run. Don't get me wrong. The things I just said, trust me, they are insane and it was awesome and it was a rush. But when I had got to prison, um, essentially I was in the shoe, which is a segregation. I was a little bit violent of an individual. So I was in the shoe for a couple months and uh, there was a, a, a moment where I remember counting the air pockets of uh, on the white silica or the, the stucco paint on the brick wall above, you know, on, on a cell that I could reach both walls if I put my arms out, you know, sleeping on a thin mattress, no sheets, no pillows, uh, no entertainment, no nothing for months, you know, getting fed through a hole in the wall. And I had realized that I had gone down as far as that road uh, that I wanted to. And uh, so I had to go and make that decision that I wanted to see how far I could go the other way. Uh, and at that point, you know, I'm, I'm fully tattooed. I'm a violent uh, convict in prison. I'm involved in gang stuff. Um, and essentially, I had to make a decision uh, to, to get help because I knew what the problem was. You know, I knew that growing up, I was diagnosed bipolar. I was diagnosed depression. I had depression. I was diagnosed ADHD, you know, prescribed Ritalin. Obviously I sold that, snorted it, you know, that whole thing growing up. Uh, so I knew what the problems were because I've been told by every doctor and everybody I ever met. They, they're people are, well, the one thing in life that people are willing to do is tell you what's wrong with you. So I've been told a lot. Uh, so I sought out a therapist in prison and we spent months going through my problems and what's going on. And I had told him, I said, I don't, I said, I know what's wrong with me, but I don't know how to change it. And I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to, to, you know, be the person that I want to be. And what we learned was, uh, that I didn't know how to learn, you know, school for me being ADHD, I was in special ed classes. I was in, you know, very, um, learning disability programs, the short bus, if you will. Like I took the short bus to school for sure. Uh, you know, kids, there'd be four or five kids in each of my classes. I was, you know, such, uh, disciplinary or, you know, behavioral modification programs that I just learning, they, they didn't care about teaching me. They just wanted me to be in school and not cause mayhem for eight hours a day it was their primary goal. So, you, you know, you never really learn how to learn in that environment, you know, English, math, science, all these educational things that you guys, most people, you know, are able to go to class, you, you listen to the teacher, you know, you get homework, you do the homework, and now you've got a bit of knowledge. I just didn't have that because their job was to, to just, you know, lots of detentions. You guys get it by now. I was out of control. Um, and, and, and all rights to be right. I'm in group homes. I'm a, I'm a kid. I'm going through the, you know, the hardest time of your life, you know, hitting puberty, you're dealing with sexuality, you're dealing with being bullied, you're dealing with all of this shit at home. And then you're going to school and you're dealing with more shit and it, it will rack havoc on anybody's mind, you know, cause you're not happy at home. You're not happy at school. So where is it that you find, uh, you know, so you act out like you have to try to find your niche of your space of your area. So for me, it was drugs. You know, I would just uh, do so many drugs. I would just be in never, never land. And hence, you know, mushrooms and LSD and heroin and crack and meth and shooting up. And that was how I checked out. 
And that's what led me to prison. So now I'm with this therapist and he's saying, look, you want this. This is your goal. Okay. But you're over here. And to get to that goal, you can't have both of these lives. You can't be a rock star anymore and have this life of, of success. It, it's not going to work. It just doesn't work. And I fought that, you know, for another year of prison, I fought that, you know, I said, I can have both. I can do both. He said, no, you can't. You're full of shit. And, you know, honestly, you know, we know more than the therapist, right? So we started small and it was every day I had to learn how to learn. So I would sit down for one minute. I would sit and I would have to focus. I sit down for two minutes. I sit down for three minutes. I sit down for five minutes. And if any time I, I didn't, I couldn't accomplish that, I would start over. Now, guys, remember, that seems like a, a crazy analogy, but remember, I had years ahead of me. So for me, time, you know, is the one thing that I had plenty of. I had years ahead of me. So, you know, one, one minute turned into two, three, four, five, all the way up to where it could sit for 60 minutes. They say that the average human really can't focus more than 60 minutes anyways. So that was my objective to get there. And I could do it at lockdown in the, uh, at lunch and I could do it lockdown at dinner time. And then I got into taking the, um, the psychology test, you know, the Rorschach test, the IQ test. We started doing all of these different things. And there was one after I think about seven months of therapy. And now I'm annoying this guy. I'm, I'm knocking on his door twice a week. Like I'm intrigued. I'm getting into new parts of my mind. I'm exploring an unknown universe, if you will, like, uh, you know, who, who, who I am. And, uh, you know, so we do all these tests, they take months and they're, they're, they're rigorous, right? These, you know, the IQ test and the Rorschachs and all that, they're really weird too. Uh, so one day, you know, he, he calls me in and says, okay, I have the results. You should sit down for this. And I'm like, okay, give it, how bad is it? You know, how fucked up am I, you know? Okay. Uh, and, and now you have to remember that when you have all of these problems and you grow up in group homes and you grow up, um, being told you're broken, that's the first thing you use as an excuse. If you steal something, Hey, I'm broken. If you, if you hurt somebody, uh, uh, you know, like a fight or you get in trouble, Hey, I'm broken. It's part of the package. You know what I mean? You know? So this is, that was my, my mantra, you know, like, uh, Jamie fucked up again. That's okay. He's broken. Right. So you, you go through that, uh, like almost like a chemical dependency where you're depending on those diagnosis to be able to justify your actions of being an asshole essentially. So we're sitting there and he's like, okay, sit down. You know, I'm like, okay, give it to me. How bad is it? You know? Um, and he goes, well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that, um, there's nothing wrong with you. And you know, like uh, silence, just, just like this awkward silence. I'm just waiting for him to like, what's the punchline, bud? You know what I mean? And, uh, he goes, no, Jamie, there, there, there's nothing wrong with you. You don't have ADHD. You're not depressed. You're, you don't have bi you're not bipolar. Your IQ is actually insane. And you scored it like 98, 90, uh, 99% and some of these like pattern recognition and some of these other things that are just insane. He goes, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. And it was like this really, like you could almost, I think if like you could see, like there was like this, my eyes turn white, like just my face goes blank. And I'm waiting for something like a re like it was almost like a reset button, like a like a reboot, like someone held down control command escape. And I look at him and I say, so what you're saying is I'm accountable for my own actions. He's like, yes. I'm like, oh, man. So now that moment, I couldn't uh, blame anybody. I couldn't blame my parents. I couldn't blame my grandparents. I couldn't blame anybody anymore. And that was the moment that. I got a second chance. That was my freedom. That was if I'm, if I'm bringing it back full circle with the movie awaken with Robin Williams, 
he's upset. The, the patient who has the disability, who's been asleep for 30 years, he's getting upset at everybody for wasting their life. You know, they're wasting what gift they have. He's, he, he can't control himself. You know, he's, and he's upset and he says, you know, he wants people to live. And that's the second chance I have. I, I came out of prison with this drive, this ambition to see how far I can push my own limits, my own mind. The truth is the only thing that will be the first to explore for all of us is our own mind, our own imagination. It's the best gift we have. You can go as far down as creative as you want to be in your own mind. If somebody's already climbed Mount Everest. It's okay. I can build a bigger mountain. I can do more in my own mind. I can create, I can go to the moon, the stars, the outer space. I can create whatever I want, but I had to learn how to do that. And prison was my catapult, the, the, the pivotal point. There's for me, it's simple. There's before prison and there's after prison. That's it. That's my life story. And that was my second chance. Wow. Well put, babe. I mean, statistically, I guess that's... 86% return back to prison. So the recidivism rate in America is 86%. So that means that nine out of every 10 people. Then you take it and say, say, so you have one, you know, 10, 14% left. How many of those people actually can hold down a job? They actually have become successful or start their own business or start a nonprofit or travel the world or do anything of what I'm doing. Or, set, or fly a parachute in every country, country of the, the world. world. I think there's one. <laughs> yeah. What, how, many, how, many, how many people are in the world? One in eight billion. That's the statistics yeah. of what I'm doing. How many years ago did you get out? Uh, 12 years. I met Sanders six months after I got out of prison. So 12 points, 12.2 years, 12.5 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming out, I mean, you have the, the idea and the drive and the motivation and this total revelation, it sounds like. But was there in practicality any temptations along the way to kind of go back the other way? Like I'm sure, or was it that clean cut? Like you're just like, Hey, this is my new life. And that old life is essentially dead. No, no, no. I wish it was that I suffer from PTSD, but people go to the military and they do bad things and we hurt people. They hurt people and you, you, you suffer from these things. No, no one, no one walks away from military prison or anything of, of that caliber w- without some sort of, uh, mental uh problems and mine mine were quite quite a many uh no and then we you know after about four years we started a a, co- a color run company and we made i think like 3.7 million dollars our first year now i've been poor my whole life you know food stamps um, I'm, a, I'm a swindler i'm a hustler all those things it's true and when you give somebody uh who's been basically i i use the analogy imagine a, a fire hydrant Someone's got their hand on this fire hydrant their whole life. And all of a sudden you give somebody $3.7 million. There's no amount of hand that can stop that pressure. So I got back into, you know, uh, partying, skydiving, doing all these air sports, traveling the world, but doing it on cocaine and Molly and just, uh, you know, whatever I could dream up. And I have a good imagination. I, uh, I was doing and whatever your imagination is at home is probably worse than that. But I don't know that we're going to keep it PG 13 today. So no, there was actually a, Just I've had a keep lot it real of, man. Yeah. Keep it real. A- no, no sex, drugs and rock and roll, my man. It's, it's, it's the truth. You know, I'm, I'm completely tattooed. I'm a bright star. I like to make a lot of noise and I, I, whatever people can dream of on a, on a road trip or an adventure. I mean, there was no amount of, of possibilities that I couldn't, I couldn't achieve because at the end of the day, money talks. And if they won't let you into a club, money talk. They want, you want to get on a boat, you want drugs, you want women, you want parties, you want whatever it is, 
like I was just buy everybody's drugs and then I would give them all to my friends. Right. So I was, I was actually going down another bad, deep rabbit hole. Um, and Sandra and I decided it was my birthday and we had, we had just got back from this tour with my parents and we had just been doing so many drugs again that we were like both a little fucked in the head, like having like twitches and stuff. And it was like, we were snorting Molly and cocaine and we were in parties. Like it was, we were getting a little, it was bad. Okay. And I was like, Hey, you know, like, uh, and Sandra's an alcoholic, full blown alcoholic. I don't care about alcohol. I like drug, hard drugs. Sandra likes alcohol. So I was like, Hey babe, maybe we should go sober for a couple months. Like I'm fucked up. You said six months. Yeah. I was like, I'm fucked up. Like I, I, I don't, I feel like I'm going to be that next rock star who ODs. Or I'm going to be, you know, like I, I, I see what my dreams are, my, are and I, I can tell you right now that we're not going to reach them because I can't function. Like it's turning from like weekends and weekend recreation to, you know, like I, I can't function anymore. And uh, Sandra fought me on it. Mm-hmm. So you said six months. And to think about going without a beer for six months at this time, it was just mind blowing. I, I couldn't comprehend it. Um, so I was like, well, I'll do I'll do a month with you. <laughs> So he kind of laughed at my my offers at a month. But he, to me, that seemed like so long. I said, okay, okay, let's try three months. So we agreed we're going to go three months, no drinking, no drugs, clean slates. We were starting a new company and we didn't want any excuses. We, we didn't want we didn't want the reason that it didn't succeed to be because we were drinking or partying on the weekends. We wanted to give it our all. And that three months ended up turning into four years. For you. Four, three, four years. For you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I, I, I did, uh, you know, periodically I'll do a little bit of mushrooms or LSD. Uh, I like whiskey here and there and some German beers, but I don't, I have rules. I don't touch powders anymore. I don't do meth, Coke or heroin or any of that different stuff, but I didn't want to travel the world and be able to go to these most glorious places and not have a glass of wine or not be able to go to the mo- some of the mm-hmm. best parties and not, we, we essentially know. took the control back. So yeah. we had given the control up to, to the drugs and the alcohol and the three months, it just kept going because it felt good. And we, we were at first after a year, I mean, to be honest, I was scared. I was like, if I start drinking again, will I go back to where I was at before? I mean, it was to the point where we were going to break up when we would, yeah. And when we, when I would look for somewhere to go eat, for example, I had to make sure that they yeah. had beer there because otherwise I wouldn't want to go there. I mean, it, it was all consuming. And I was afraid that if I even started drinking a little bit, I didn't want that to be in the back of my mind all the time of, okay, now I'm going to have to battle this. It was just easier. Or hide it from me. Or hide it. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I'll just, you know, it's easier just to say, no, I don't, I'm, I don't drink. After about three years, Jamie was at a place where he was like, oh, I feel, I feel confident. I feel in control and I want to have a drink once in a while. So then he started to then. My he- goal, my goal was never to be sober the rest of my life. My mm-hmm. goal, like my you know learning disabilities was to get a handle on it like i needed it's an anomaly like you're not supposed to everybody go to the barber shop you're gonna do it but it shouldn't have that much pressure over anybody it shouldn't it should like i I can't go every day like oh i'm I'm an addict i if i have one drink i'm fucked i'm gonna you know party i'm gonna lose my mind i'm going back to prison that was i can't uh, that to me was not for everybody Mm -hmm. but for me that was weakness Mm -hmm. to have to let a drug or alcohol have that power over me uh, was, was something I couldn't live with in itself. Right. So I had already overcome prison. I already overcome all of this. I'm not going to get beaten by, uh, addiction. That's not, I'm not going to, that's not an excuse for me. Um, so, and, and I proved it now. I, I, I don't, um, I don't care about alcohol. I don't care about drugs. I don't care about any of that because my passion for living, my passion for what we're doing is so strong that I don't want to ha- be hung over the next morning. I don't want to mm-hmm. miss one adventure because I, uh, I I was you know drinking the night before. Now, granted, 
if we're all together, you and I or friends, and we know that there's a storm coming, that there's going to be rain the next day, and there is no chance of us going out to do anything fun, that's when I'll get a little drunk or that's when I'll, I'll take some hallucinogenics, microdose or something like that, because I know that there's no fear of missing an adventure. That's how passionate I am about adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it becomes about you know what, what the priorities are, yeah. essentially. Yeah, so you've been able to kind of dip your toes in, I guess, as part of the travel experience, but not go completely the other way. At least that's how it's been the last years. I've already gone the other way. So I've already traveled to most parts of the world. I've already done a couple loops around the world while partying. So I've already done more yeah, than yeah. most should yeah. ever do. Uh, I've already, I like to use the analogy. Uh, if, it, if, if partying was an Olympic sport, I'm a three-time gold medalist. <laughs> Retired. Right. <laughs> okay. And I, and, I, and I would challenge anybody in the world to that mm-hmm. statement. You know, I didn't go to prison because I was fun, good-looking boy. I went to prison because I had an addiction and I like to do hood rat shit with my friends. And they gave me a long sentence. So I'm good at, you know, I'm not good at being a criminal, but I was good at one thing that was partying. So, mm-hmm. you know, being rich, well, I wasn't rich being, you know, whatever the expression is, I had a couple million in my pocket and being able to travel the world with that mentality of partying. I, um, mm-hmm. I did that. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I check gold medal retired. What was the company where the, the company started where the three and a half million came or three points color fun, color fun fest was the company. We uh, originally, when I got out of prison, I, we were doing photography for extreme sports, and that was our passion. I met a guy named Scott Davis, who was the owner of uh, Hangtown, which is a famous motocross track in California. And he gave me an opportunity after working with him, showing you know my work ethics. He gave me an opportunity to be an event director for his run, Mud Factor. I was very transparent in the beginning, and I said, "Look, man, I obviously want my own run. I want my own business. This is what I want." And he says, "Well, I appreciate your honesty. Let's work together. Give me everything you have, and I'll teach you how to run a business." So I worked my ass off for this guy, and he did. He taught me. I was the you know the director, the manager. Actually, got fired once. Got brought back on. He smoothed it all out, and then eventually, at the end of the year, uh, I said, "Look, man, this is how much money I want to make. It's really expensive to live in California. I need to make this much money." Uh, he said, I can't do that. He goes, but I give you my blessing. I think it's time for you to start finding your, your, your own thing. And I did. Sandra was my, my partner and we put out a hundred resume, a hundred resumes to, to people. There was a guy named Jerry in Texas who said, fly out here, show me what you can do for this event. I flew it. I flew to Texas. It was like a job interview. And he said, okay, I'll tell you what, you pack your house up and you move to Texas and you can do this within one week. I'll give you half this company. Uh, and at the end of the year, I'll give you an option to buy me out. Now I had a house, everything like that. I had my brother living with us, this girl waffles living on the couch. Like we were trying to, you know, we were hustling and trying to do our own thing. We literally reneged on our, uh, our lease and put everything into a U-Haul. I had to borrow a thousand dollars from our, our, our parents to get the, the vehicle out there. We're on food stamps, moved to Texas. We're all staying in a house together. Uh, Sandra, we lied and said that she could do the marketing and she lost like 60 grand the first couple of months, uh, of marketing money. And then all of a sudden something happened and our first event was in Phoenix and it was, we had 6,000 people. Then all of a sudden the run started growing. It was like the perfect era where fun runs were just blossoming. It was in the beginning. We had the first night color run. So imagine like 10,000 people. We've got a stadium full of black lights and lasers and people are throwing colored powder in the air and it's glowing and we're DJing and we're music, you know, like, I mean, an average day would just example would be like 40,000 in parking. So you do the math, right? So it was, we were just, and we were doing 20 of these a year. 
And that was all we were doing, just banging these thing out. And we lit, you know, it was, it was, it just got insane really quick. We went from food stamps to, to, to Flamignon and, 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 you know, whatever it was, you can dream of. It was of. actually the organizing the events that had put us on the path to traveling. Yeah. And when we were, when we were at this point in of our lives where we were, uh, we owned this event and we were organizing events every week. What Jamie failed to mention was that it didn't matter how much money was in the account. I remember there were days where I was so stressed. I started to have chest pains and I was like, I don't know if maybe does I have like a heart problem or, or, you know, I ended up being told that it was just anxiety and it was just stress. And Jamie was trying to, he was as well was the most unhappy that I'd ever seen him. Overweight. He, was, he was overweight and he was trying to build his happiness. He was buying skydiving rigs and he was traveling around, but we were both probably the emptiest that we had ever felt. And I realized that by having this office and in Texas, it wasn't the great for outdoor activities like we like. There was no mountains, there's no climbing. So we were always indoors in a house, terrible weather. We're from California, used to good weather. And I realized that something had to change. So I told Jamie, we cannot be flying out to these events every week. We'd fly out to we're an event. We're home for two days. Come home for two days, barely have enough time to wash the clothes if we even had that much time before we were back on a plane out to the next event. And I told Jamie that I think that we need to take this to the road. I think we need to travel from event to event as long as we can space them enough that we can drive an RV. And I think that we need to make this mobile. Because I already had three trucks on the road. We have we had all of our equipment kept going. So our, our company was moving from a city to city. And because we were so poor uh, mentality before, I used to do circles around LA, San Bernardino, like around California. I could only travel so far. That was like your, your range. So what our mentality was, let's book events where places where we want to go do adventures. So we would book it in Alaska and Florida, and then we would go there and, and go on, you know, we'd stay extra time so that we could, the company was paying for us to be there and paid for all the equipment to be there. And then I had both my brothers, my mom, my dad, Sandra, her mom would come like we, we hired, you know, we had a whole crew, you mm -hmm. know, and three this, trucks. And it planted, I mean, that was essentially when we, we closed down our house, we moved out. We had so much furniture, so many things. We just gave them away to friends. I think some of it sat in storage at eventually. Just walked away from it. I think, I don't even know if the company had paid it. I, I don't know. We just, we cut the ties and we realized it wasn't working. As Jamie says, we, we step five and we, we did something different. Step five. Yeah. <laughs> and um, since then we got rid of, we haven't had a normal life since then. And that was the catapult of what put us into being a nomad. And by traveling around, I guess what you can say is that everybody has the dream to travel full time, right? And to make money from it, right? That's the, I want to do that. Me but too. How, how, <laughs> how do I do that? And people ask us that a lot too. Like, how do you guys travel full time and make money? I guess and let's pause, us, pause that. So that's a great time to tell you that we spent, uh, we had made 3.7 million, but I had mm. spent 4.2 million. Yeah, yeah. So it's very important. So it's very, very important for the viewers to not think that we did the rest of this with any money. Okay. We yeah. are not responsible. Do not do as we do. Do mm -hmm. as we say, but just do it your own way. That's not going to put you in credit card debt. Yeah. We didn't have the, the, I had no the, skills. <laughs> the training. I mean, I spent most of my teenage years in behavior modification programs as well in upstate New York, Montana. Uh, I didn't have the the normal child in, in that sense, just as Jamie, I suppose you could say. So I didn't know when, I didn't know how to manage money. I didn't know anything about business. I didn't have a skill. I couldn't even finish the math classes in community college. Could even barely hold down a job. That's why when I met Jamie, you know, it's kind of like the low pinnacle. But when we 
we both knew we wanted to travel, obviously we wanted to make money and trying to figure out how to do that. I guess it's kind of the best analogy I can think of is like if you want a pizza, right? Like let's say you want a pizza. The universe. The, yeah. You, let's say you want a pizza and you want a really good pepperoni and pineapple pizza. The universe is not just going to give you a pizza, right? You want to travel and make money. The universe is going to be like, okay, here you go. Here's your dream, right? What the universe is going to do is that's going to give you some flour mm. and maybe it's going to give you a whole pineapple and then maybe like a raw chunk of ham and you got to know how, you know, you're like, I don't even know how to cook this thing. And then, okay, I'll figure it out, right? And maybe it'll give you a couple tomatoes and it'll give you some fresh basil. It'll right? give you the ingredients. Mm-hmm. It'll give you everything that you need. Right. And it's up to you to do the work to put it together. And all of the experiences that we've been through before are all of the ingredients that we needed to make our dream happen. And the piece that's missing for us is that we re- we wanted to travel money and make money. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought, I, thought, I thought you were asking. I was like, like <laughs> we wanted to travel and we wanted to make money. But we realized that there was a piece that was missing in that. And that was that it had to have more of a purpose, right? If you're not making the world a, a better place, then what are you really doing? Right. So for us, our dream became to travel, to be able to make a living from it while inspiring other people to do the same in their lives. Right. So that for us is our pizza. And the ingredients to make that was all of the trauma that we had to go through. I mean, me, myself, you know, my father had uh, threatened to kill our family when I was 11 years old and we had to live in battered women's shelter. He proceeded to kill himself when I was 12 years old and said that he didn't want our family to get any of it. I was addicted to meth by the time I was 18 years old to the point where I was seeing shadows. I could barely function. I mean, the, 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 the recipe is there for a lot of struggle and adversity. But being able to push through that is what hopefully inspires people. Our previous businesses helped teach us that it doesn't matter how much money is in your account. It might not. It's not going to make you happy. It can. What did I say? Money doesn't make you happy. It lets you choose your misery. Right. But let's clarify. All my businesses have failed. I have not had a successful. The color, the color, the color fun, uh, color fun fest did not end great. Uh, we have a nonprofit uh, called Just Caramore, and our mission statement was to create uh, inspirational videos. That is the only thing that has not failed. Uh, mm-hmm. We've never paid ourselves from it, and that, I think that's why it's never failed because it was a passion. True, we do it for the love to give back, and that's what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the one good thing I did when we had all of the money was start a nonprofit, and we worked with foster kids. We bought a ranch in San Diego. And the goal of this ranch was to bring foster kids uh, to teach them skills like to use a saw, to, to make a fire, to, you know, to build outhouses, all of the skills that city kids don't have, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. basic human necessities, you know, like you, you, people underestimate it. But the only thing that we really need is food and shelter. And you have to get a job to pay for those two things because most people we can't in the city, you can't grow your own food and you can't just steal someone's house and, and live in it. Right. You have to buy your own piece of land. So my goal was to take kids like me uh, and Sandra and bring them to uh, Freedom Land, which is the name of our ranch. And I wanted to spend a week at a time teaching kids how to use power tools, like trade school, but kind of a manicorn version of that where, uh, you know, I would incorporate, we'd have long talks by the fire. And basically, kids are the most honest people there that you're, that there are. So me going through everything I went through, Sandra going through everything that she went through, it was really cool for us to be around, you know, kids of similar nature. 
because I would just call them on their bullshit because mm-hmm. I knew their lies. I knew their hustle. I'm a liar. I'm a hustler. I'm a thief. I'm a criminal. But they so, actually respected yeah. what you said. And yeah. we still get messages on our Instagram. Yeah, I still talk to, to all of them. To this day. And, you know, when you work with foster kids, you don't know if what you're doing makes an impact. And it, sometimes it, it has that doubt. Like, okay, I'm going to see this kid a few times and have a conversation and teach him how to make a fire. But does that really change his life? And then when we get messages from kids or, you know, and they it still remember to this day what he told them. Versus if a counselor tells you something, you know, the kids are going to, you know, laugh at them. But so when we were in America, that was our, one of our, our favorites was working with the foster kids. So bringing a full circle to what Sandra was saying, that none of our businesses so far have financially been successful. And we had started a second run called the inflatable run. And we thought that the money was going to be just as easy to make, but the times had changed and the, um, the economy changed and things were happening and it took us two years to break even from our investment on the inflatable run. And what the catapult was to all of this was I said, okay, look, we're not in debt. We've paid all of our bills. This company is, is okay. I'm going to go to Norway mm-hmm. for a couple months. I need to clear my head. I need to do some wingsuiting, some base jumping for time reference. This was three years, 2019. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, a month and uh, I'll come back and we'll, we'll launch year three. Mm-hmm. I'll finish up all the books. I'll make sure everything's taken care of on the company. I need a break. I need a break. I mm-hmm. just built two years focusing every day building in the ranch. I needed time. I had built a, a business. We had been on 40 more events. I, I was wrecked. My fucking mind was toast. I was not happy. My back was on fire. Like I was not in good mental or physical shape. And I was not happy. Uh, so in 2019, I left for Norway and uh, I was a good athlete at the time. Though That's the one thing I was skydiving all the time and, and doing those things. So I was invited to be on Team One Call, which is like one of the actually you know One Call because you're from Norway. So it's a phone company they have. So uh, they have Team One Call in Norway. It's Veco, which is Extreme Sports Week, which is in um, um, mm-hmm. the largest extreme sports festival Voss. in the world. It's in Voss. Yeah. So I went there, um, and I I had the most amazing month of my life. Uh, and the Norwegian culture brought me in. I, I, maybe they could tell I was fucked up. Mm-hmm. Maybe you people had could tell. A camper van. Yeah, I bought a, a camper white van. Camper van to travel around in. Right. And, uh, I was, I was happy. I was going on adventures and like, I was outdoors. I was nothing special, just a, a VW van, but I was, I was happy. Like it was something, something had changed. Something had clicked in and it wasn't just happy. Like momentarily, like I was happy every day and this was weird for me again. So, uh, I actually mm, was ready to, to start life over. I was going to make a phone call to Sandra and I didn't know the outcome. Either something was going to happen. It was going to be another pivotal point. It was going to be one pivotal point was prison. And another pivotal point was going to be with Sandra for 10 years or, you know, at that time, I think nine years or without Sandra. I called her up and I said, Hey, look, I'm, I'm not coming home. I'm uh, I quit the runs. I quit the business. Uh, I quit, uh, every, the ranch. I said, I'm not happy. I'm not doing anybody any good right now. Um, if you would like to stay with me, I would be more than happy if you would grab our dog, grab a backpack worth of, uh, your toys and fly to Norway. And she's like, and what's going through my mind at yeah. this time is the number one question. Like, um, so how do we make money? Because we just barely broke even with this run. Zero <laughs> money in our account, but we had a, a credit card. That's all we had and like a couple grand in cash. Mm-hmm. So, so how, how do we make money? And we have this ranch with all this equipment in this camp. And what are we going to do with this? And it was almost like deja vu with the house full of stuff in Texas that wasn't working for us. Right. Step five. And. So all I can think about is what, what what's next. And what Jamie said was, it doesn't matter. We're, we're going to figure it out. All that matters is that what I'm doing now is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. 
And it was in that moment, I don't know if by myself, I would have been able to transition. And I think that's where a lot of people find themselves. And I'm sure many listeners out there are in a job you hate and you just feel trapped. Like I have no option. I have to do this. I've been doing events for years and marketing for years. And I have this ranch and I I can't do anything different. And for Jamie to just almost make that decision for me, right, to, to set me free and what I felt like I had to do and say, no, like we don't have to do this. So was that your second chance in life? Then? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And then I flew to Norway with no plan, no idea what we were going to do. And we spent months, months every day talking about business ideas. Okay, what can we do? Okay, we're really good at marketing, luckily, because we would, uh, you know, I was doing marketing for the runs. I was spending a quarter million a month. So I was, I got really good at digital marketing. So we're good at that. And we like traveling. I like my sports. And I and like filming. Like and I like creative and storytelling. Yeah, we always liked videography. In the very, very, very beginning, we had a company called Moral Free in like year one where we would go to events and take photos of people and pirates sell them on our website. We wouldn't get, we wouldn't get permission from the events. We would just, you know, pirate sell photos, make money where we can. So we liked, we knew, we knew we loved photography and videography. So we had all these things we loved. And we're trying to figure out how can we put them together. And we're, and we're spending almost all day, every day, just talking about how we're going to. We gave proceed. ourselves one. You gave ourselves one year. Mm-hmm. We gave ourselves, we said we had enough money in our account that we could travel for one year uh, and survive. And, you know, off of a credit card, we had a, a credit, like a $30,000 credit card that was at zero. So we knew that we had enough to pay the monthly minimum on the credit card. And we knew mm-hmm. that we could live off this credit card. So the goal was that we were going to reset life in one year, no matter what, we weren't going back to America, but we were going to reset life. Now, this is a hell of a thing to tell your parents. This is a hell of a thing to tell all your friends and your family and everything like that. So uh, we got to uh, eventually, we, you know, we got to Romania about eight months later, we got to Romania. And then all hell broke loose. All hell broke loose. But first I had to take a break from Sandra. Uh, I had to fly to, I went to Thailand um, for six weeks on my own. And I do this periodic, I call it like a, oh, like crocodile done day. I go on a walkabout and it's just a backpack and maybe a wing. And I just go walking, uh, for six, uh, six weeks with no, no goal, no destination, but just me by myself. And I just go on a walkabout. Uh, and I had known what I wanted to do was to storytelling, whether it was video or whatever it was, that's what I wanted to do. Originally it was like YouTube videos and all of this. And I was trying to like, trying to figure my way into it. Uh, and Sandra was like, she was going to start this thing called uh manicorn, uh, an affiliate program, affiliate program. And we talk every day and on this trip, we talk every night. We I'm talk. creating a business plan at this point. Yeah. I'm getting ready to launch a new website. And uh, so it's safe to say six weeks, I come back and I tell Sandra, I said, you know, we're, we're meeting, we have two different meetings going on. I'm trying to build Captain Manicore. I'm talking about making YouTube videos from the content that I created. And Sandra's, you know, she's meeting with me talking about this, this affiliate program. They're both my business, right? So I'm, I'm it's in my best interest to help her and it's her best interest to help me. And then one day I said, listen, I, this isn't going to work. I'm going one direction in life. You're, you're talking about sitting behind a computer for eight hours a day. And said, I can tell you right now that the direction I want to go it, it is not that direction because that would put her same situation as at home when she's doing the color runs and the inflatable runs that she was behind the computer for 12, 15, 16 hours a day because she's running an online business. And, I'm, and I told, I'm telling her, I'm like, if you do this right now, you're going to go, this is going to be a pivotal point where you're going to go one direction in life and I'm going to go another. And there's not going to be a medium to meet in the middle. Because I want to go outdoors. I want to go into nature. I want to go explore the world. And there's not going to be service everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I said, what if we what if we put all of our energy into one goal? Mm-hmm. And that t- 
took a, and Sandra was like, okay, so that's, the, so then we start working together. Well, it wasn't just okay. My, my initial resistance was, okay, so you want to make videos about what we're, you know, videos, blogs, yeah. create content about what we're doing and, and hopefully make a living from it. And I had a lot of doubts just as everyone out there does that it's something that you can viably live from. So I had to push past that comfort zone of creating a company behind a computer to make affiliate sales that I knew I could probably you know do okay at to something that I had no experience of. I had to really let go of everything that I knew and start fresh and only draw from what I needed to. But I agreed that I didn't want to go down the same road of creating. We love working together. No, we want to work together. We mm-hmm. like being together. I don't want to work in an office eight hours. This looking out this window, and she, I, our, we have been fortunate that we've been together twelve years, and we've worked together this entire time. There was only fortunate and unfortunate. Yeah, fortunate, and unfortunate. <laughs> but we're together twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. So you know, and that was what I want. I want a partner, a best friend to do this with. And mm-hmm. probably the problem was that I used to tell Sandra before was no matter how much money I had or what we were doing around the world, I said, I still feel alone. I'm going on the most beautiful destinations in the world, but I'm, I feel like I'm alone because she's not there. She's working on the computer. She's doing something. And I'm like, fuck man, this sucks. You know, like what's the, what, like I, you know, like I didn't work this hard to get here to be lonely. And th- and that's what I was suffering from. So for and us behind a computer, I guess yeah. was my, like the awakening. It's my way of sleeping. It's my way out. It's my way of, Hiding. hiding essentially. Mm. So I had to push that aside to be able to, okay, I'm ready to embrace this new different life. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks So they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. All right, so that's what you're doing now? Is the is it the YouTube thing full-time or what's... No, that's horrible. I hate YouTube. 
No, I hate <laughs> social networks, buddy. I actually, funny, I actually quit social networks. I, uh, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, I deleted all social networks off my phone. Which is ironic because that we're content. Yeah, we're content creators, right? Uh, yeah. Our dream, <laughs> our vision now, uh, we are in the works of trying to get picked up by a network. We're doing everything in our power to create a one sheet. Uh, we think we have a really cool journey, a story that we're trying to do. And we think it'd be a great TV show on discovery or history of one of those channels. Like because one of those. we do travel in con- unconventionally in sailboats when without, without any sailing. Plenty of obstacles. Or- it's a drama. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a drama reality show essentially. So that's uh, the big picture. The one step below that is the podcast, which we are, you know, Adventures of Captain Manicorn. And essentially we're practicing for 42 minutes to an hour. We're talking about stories from our adventures and we're practicing, you know, storytelling and dialogue and monologue. And, you know, and I'm obsessed with master's class and, and learning from all the best of how to storytell, write short scripts and all this. So currently that's what I'm doing. Uh, we're, we make money we don't make much money look we're, we're still in debt we're, this is not a successful company this is not uh, a tips and tricks how to start an online business successfully while traveling the world because i don't know how to do it we're still failing at it but i have an analogy that i would rather be poor and barely pay the bills doing what i want every minute of every day for the rest of my life than be rich wishing i had the time to follow my dreams and that's where we're at. We're surviving, man. We're struggling. We're figuring out how to make next month's money uh, to how to pay the bills. And we're just doing it day to day, month to month right now. The off at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. I get up. We look outside, enjoy the beautiful view for a couple of minutes, make some coffee, and then get on and start working on sponsors, start working on outreach. content. Outreach. Outreach. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a business at the end of the day. And we work until about 9 o'clock every morning. Um, seven days a week. There are no days off. I don't take holidays. I, I work, you know, Christmas morning, whatever I might not, whatever, who cares? But the, the point is it's, it's, it's way more work than somebody who's going to work for eight hours a day. We eat, drink, and sleep this business. We have goal walls, boards, like, you know, are we reaching our, uh, lead, you know, our, our, you know, our, our goals of uh, working for four hours today? No, man, it's just, it's a super stressful. And then I go out and do the most dangerous sports in the world. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Hey, did we capture that creativity? Okay, good. We're going to put a hundred hours of work into this 12 second reel and it's going to get fucking 12 views. This is fantastic. Yeah. I love my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like fuck Instagram. That's all I can say. Uh, and, and, and so the podcast for us and the website and all that is it's like, um, you know, I think we lose touch with like digital, like um, old school photos. Think about how cool an old school photo is, right? Like if the internet crashed for whatever reason, like Armageddon, like Terminator style and the internet shut down, our entire lives would be erased. Everybody who was born in the last 10 years, uh, 15 years, all their memories digitally created would be, you know, your Facebook, your Instagram, your friend requests, all of this, your soul, well, all of these things would just be erased and you'd be nothing, right? There'd be no... Uh, memory of you, you would never have left a mark in the world. So uh, my goal is to create this exists in the minds of the people that you made an impact on really. Yeah. But easily forgotten as we know in social in, in online presence, you know, if you're not in the, in the, in the front of the magazine, you're, you're nobody remembers who you are. So the goal for this world record that actually Sandra came up with one morning, <laughs> uh, she walked out while we were in Romania. Well, it was, it was following the conversation we had about putting all of our efforts into Captain Manicorn. So I started, I shifted, I started working on a business plan for Captain Manicorn. And one of the first things you do when you make a business plan is competitor research. 
So I started looking at other, at what we consider competitors. And I realized that what we we're doing, it didn't have a goal, didn't have an arc. It didn't, we were just a couple of yahoos traveling the world doing cool stuff. It didn't really mean anything to, to outside people and to ourselves. So I, and at this time, we were also learning a lot about storytelling as well, which I would highly recommend for anyone who wants to be content creators. And I walked out one day to Jamie because I had this idea and I told him, I was like, you should sit down. I uh, have a bomb. I literally called it a bomb. I don't think I've ever called anything else a bomb before. Like it was, you knew, knew we'd it, love it, probably. I knew it was that uh, impactful. And said, I think that we should be the first people to fly in every country of the world. I liked the, it. No, first thing, I said, you're full of shit. The first thing he said was, you're you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And, uh, she's anxiety. No, she's afraid of everything. She doesn't want to go to Africa. She doesn't want to get robbed I, and killed uh, and raped. A couple months prior to yeah, that, no. we were supposed to go to Africa. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to She's telling me, no, kind of I want to go to all these different countries. And she's like, no, 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 I'm scared. I'm like, So she says, let's go to every country. I'm like, you are full of shit. <laughs> I say, so, you know what I mean? Like, you're full so of shit. Was this goal, and he's absolutely right. I mean, I suffer from anxiety pretty bad. It, um, it's, it's a Crippling. struggle. It's a, it's a struggle to, in, in this it's lifestyle, it's so counterproductive, right? To travel the world, deal with obstacles constantly, and have anxiety, and to do these extreme sports. It's not the best mix, I've got to tell you. But the only way that I've learned to be able to make progress in the anxiety is facing it almost daily and working through it mentally. So when I came up with this challenge for Jamie to be able to do this in every country of the world, cool. That's Check, great. done. He's, yeah, he's, This is the rest of my life. Like, what's your purpose in life? I'm like, like done. Was, it's like he was made for it. Yeah. For me to be able to do this, I have to go through so many emotions, overcome so much internal anxiety, as well as external um, manifestations of problems. And to be honest, he's a natural athlete. I'm not so much. I didn't grow up the sports and the dirt bikes. I grew up playing piano. So for me to be able to do the sports is such an accomplishment for me because I know I'm accomplishing a lot more myself. So it, uh, it was a challenge. For myself, definitely. For, for, yeah, no, I mean, I, I would say that without Sandra, there's no way that I would uh, be able to to keep my sanity through all of this. I think I would still do it regardless if she was we were together or not. And I guess that's a good point because for people out there, like your 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 drive, your desire, your your devotion has to be your devotion. So we go through this all the time. We've almost broke up and over it. You know, sailing. I was like, I I'm gonna set this record. There, I have one goal, like one, like one goal is to do an adventure every day for the rest of my life and to keep doing what I'm doing, traveling the world. So when she said that she gave me freedom because I didn't have to worry. I don't wake up with any other goals. Like I don't want to make a million dollars. I don't want a house. I don't want Ferraris. I don't want, you know, kids. I don't want any of this. I have one thing that I focus on 24 hours a day, seven days a week is how to create the next great adventure. And how to live and, and how to storytell this adventure that I'm going on. Mm-hmm. So for the last year, two years, that's my goal. That's my focus. That's why we uh, built the pink van. That's why I, I bought a sailboat. We sailed to Norway. That's why we're in another van and we're going down to uh, Africa right now. We're driving all the way to Africa. And then I'm flying to Pakistan to go be the first person to fly wingsuits over K2. And it's gonna it grows. It's growing. And the only thing that the money is changing, because I don't care about money, I never have, that's why I don't have any, uh, is the, the adventures. But I have a, a really cool team, Sandra. I have another partner, Oliver. And between like these two, three, my, my core people right here. And a couple of dogs. And I have three dogs in the van with us right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm living my dream. So 
like I said, we're not a show about how to make money. We're not a show how to start a successful business. We're not a show about, uh, you know, most of what the people out there are doing. Our show is how to overcome adversity. Because the only thing that I can tell you is that I can show you how to overcome any obstacle in life. That's the one gift I have. I, I, I keep pushing. I'm never negative. I'm never upset about it. When the world's blowing up and things are on fire, I'm calm, Literally, I'm relaxed, figuratively. and I'm, I'm smiling and going, this is what I asked for. I wanted an adventure. Oh, I'm in it. It sucks. I don't like this. I regret this decision wanting to do this part, but I know in the end that this is what I want and that I will grow from this experience. And we hope that our show and that my disaster of a life that turned into what I think is pretty rad, I hope that people can see that if we can overcome all of these things, that there's nobody out there that has any excuse. One second, our dog is climbing over First a trash can. Three-legged dog trying to climb over a trash can. Come on, Journey. Come on, Journey. Come on, Journey. Come Come on, Journey. You're being super loud. Okay. She got three legs, lost one to cancer. She's my inspiration. That's a good spot. Uh, so, so Sandra is like the rock. She's the complete opposite. She's, I'm like full send, creative. Like fix everything, keep moving forward. Like no, no sleep for the wicked. Like I'm up at 5 a.m. I'm the last one to go to bed. I'm like, you know, like Sandra, how's the prospecting? How's this? Like all day, every day. Like I am goal oriented. Like this is what our goal is. We need to do everything in our power. And and, and it drives us crazy, right? Because Sandra's like, sit the fuck still, just relax for a moment. Like I can't. We got this is what we're doing. Uh, so it's the biggest gift in the world. I, and I love it. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I hope that viewers at home that are, are you know, you're of the audience that hear this, that get off the fucking couch, get up and go do something, you know, like this is take your like freedom, take your life. I have this, I don't know how long we are or what it is, but there's, I have this, I don't know what you would call it, but I have rules to my life. So I believe that these are the five steps to success that if anybody in the world, if you follow these five steps that you can have all the success, you can have anything you want. The first one is to research your dream. What do you, what do you want to do? What's your, what's your dream? I think that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part, right? I don't think people do this anymore. People don't take the time because you work for eight, eight hours a day. You're driving to work back and forth. You're, you got kids, you've got girlfriends, boyfriends, social networks. You have all these different things, right? So people don't take time for themselves anymore. What do I want, right? So once you figure out what it is you want, then you have to make a decision, right? You have to make a commitment. You say, okay, this is what I want. I want to be a professional. Uh, I, I want to be, a, I want to be a, a pilot for the airlines. This is your dream, okay? I want to be a pilot for the airlines. Okay, so once that happens, then you have to make a plan. So step one, research your dream. Step two, make a commitment. Step three is you have to make a plan. No one in the world will reach their goals or reach their dreams without a plan. It is impossible. So you have to make a plan. That's step three. First, you have to be a certain amount of hours to become a pilot. Yeah. Right? So you have to make this plan, right? And it's like A from A to B to C to D. Don't leave any out. Don't make excuses. Like don't don't miss steps and take and do it lazy. Make a fucking plan. Right? Take, put the work in. So step four is execution. You have to execute this plan relentlessly. Not, I don't want to hear about motivation. I don't want to hear about any of that shit. Kids, wives, dogs, bills, medical, cancers, death. I don't want to hear any of that shit. You have to every day, relentlessly, every waking moment, put all of your energy into step four, executing your plan, right? Because that's your goal. That's your dream. There should be nothing else more important than that, right? So at this point, you've made like, this is my life. This is what I want to do with it. So by step four, you should be able to say, I'm, I'm devoting every moment of my waking existence to reaching this goal. Okay. 
And then the, the new one is eventually you're going to reach your, you know, if you follow those four steps, you're going to reach your goal. It's inevitable because you went from A to B, B to C, D to E, you know, you, you kept going and you're going to reach your goal eventually. It's inevitable. And it's the most in- important step five. I just came up with this one recently. Step five is called reset. Here's the problem. A lot of the times for me, I got to step four. I've reached a lot of dreams and it didn't make me happy. So instead of continuing down that road of being unhappy, there's a big red button in life and it says reset. I push the red button. I love pushing red buttons. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love it. Like anywhere there's a red button that like detonates shit, blows shit up, resets something, destroys something. He's not lying. He's literally stops elevators because the button. Anything, like anything, like or any red button, I push it. I love it. And uh, so that's step five is to reset, to know that this wasn't, it doesn't matter if you put 10 years into it, 20 years into it. I don't care what you, how long you put into it is to realize that this, this is not making you happy. Reset. Go back to step one, start over. What do I really want to do? And that's what kids need to do. Like we're so in court, like infatuated with like, you need to go to college. You need to have this job. You need to have a wife, kids, bills, blah, 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 blah. That they, 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 they get to this point and they, they never even took a time to realize what their dream was. And now they're married. They're unhappy. They're having kids because they're trying to fulfill something and they're just getting worse. And that's why divorce rates are the highest they've ever been. Suicide rates are the highest they've ever been. Depression, medical, clinical problems are the highest they've ever been. Online bullying. All of these things are the highest they've ever been because no one's chilling the fuck out and figuring out what they really want to make themselves happy. But worrying about other people and what makes you happy. Step one. (laughs) Drop the mic. (laughs) Thanks, Sandra. (laughs) Are you guys tired? <laughs> like, <laughs> you ever not. just wake up and just like, I, you know, can we just not do anything today? <laughs> I think Sandra does most days. I'm I'm up at five. Let's, if we're transparency with everybody out there, I'm up at five o'clock, four forty-five. I'm up early. He's in charge of making coffee. I'm in charge of making coffee and pulling the blankets off and telling her to get the hell out of bed. I said we got goals once, and dreams once, to reach. Once the coffee's poured, and then maybe f- after five minutes, once the right temperature. Then no. it's time to get up. I time. refer to this. I'm a high octane engine, like straight dragster. Okay. All day, every day. I'm like this full blast, full energy, nonstop. You can see how we get in a little bit of trouble sometimes. Yeah. So, but Sandra, Sandra's a hell of a diesel. She, once she gets going and she commits to something and she's an analyst, I'm a promoter. She's an analyst. So once Sandra analyzes it, she wraps her mind around it. It makes mm-hmm. sense to her. She's combated anxiety or anything that, you know, all of these different things. And she says, Okay. I'm on board. This sounds like a good idea. I've, I've, you know, this is usually of weeks of me trying to like <laughs> do whatever it takes to get her to go this direction. And it's work. Uh, she's unstoppable. You guys, like I literally like she inspires me. She'll work so hard. So, so long. Like, it, it, like I am inspired to work harder, uh, watching her work. Like she's mm-hmm. like, I, I can't explain it. Like I'm crazy. I'm, I'm like dreaming and like taking on the world, but that's who gives a shit. Because, you know, you need a Sandra who, who makes this the whole thing possible. And I literally could not do this without her because she ties all of the, uh, the stuff that I can't do, like focusing on computer, the marketing, uh, all of those different things. You know, we talk about all of it together. We have plans. We make marketing strategies, all these different things together. But she executes it. She does it. And that's her strength. My strength is the stunts, the sports, the life, the travel, it's the adventure. Things. Fix, I fix everything. Um, <laughs> So to your question, am I tired? No, man. I'm fucking wide awake. I'm fucking wide awake. Just I'm living started. life. I'm just getting started. I'm just getting warmed up, dude. I just <laughs> turned 40 and I'm going to conquer like you have no idea like what's going on through my mind right now. No, I'm not tired. I wish I didn't need to sleep as much. There's so much out there. Like <laughs> life is short, guys. We live for 80 years, 80 years. Like, and I'm already 40. So I'm halfway there, right? Like I, I only got 
but your body so you live for 80 but your body does not work the it's same like the gas tank right like you know when it gets like you, it gets so much in the first quarter yeah and then like this starts going really fast at the end you're like whoa 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 slow especially down with, especially with these gas prices no no like that's literally back to my original statement about the movie uh awakening with robert de niro and and um Robin Williams, who obviously killed himself, right? Another a crazy movie, so, uh, or, you know, a story. But essentially, uh, I see everybody else moving slow. I see everybody else sleeping. I see this, and I just want to tell everybody, like, you know, you guys, you're going to blink a couple more times, and you're going to be old. Your your loved ones are going to be dying. Your money is going to be irrelevant. There's no, you know, the money can't cure mm-hmm. something. I'll do it. I'll do it someday. I'll do it someday. That's the the biggest. I hate hearing that. When, when, I'll when, I'll do it someday when I have time or when I have money. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Yeah. Do it now. When Do we, it now. When we were in Albania, we were hiding in the mountains and uh, we had to, to compliment Jamie's do it now story. I always had a dream of helping animals. And my dream, I was like, okay, I'll probably be in my 50s. and I'll be older when I do it because it's just not something that I can feasibly do right now. And we're in Albania and where our camper van was parked, there were actually a herd of puppies that, and the mother dog that we had been feeding. And Jamie came to me one day and he said, you know, your dream has always been to help animals and you've always wanted to do it 10, 15, 20 years, sometime in the past. But why do you have to wait? If that's truly your dream, then why can't you start today? And it might not look like what you want. You might not have a ranch with hundreds of dogs, but we can help these puppies today. And you can start on your dream, take the first step. And that moment, well, we, uh, we took one of the puppies and said, we can foster this puppy. And, um, you know, and that can be the first, the first step. We can find some homes for the other ones. We can leave some money and some food for the, the mother dog and the other puppies that don't get adopted. And that's what we did. And well, it's been the longest fostering ever because two years later, we still have journey. And she actually at six months later, everything happens for a reason. She got cancer in her leg. I was, I was petting her one day and I felt a small little bump in her leg. And she's six months, right? I'm like, it's probably like a tick bite that got infected. Who knows? And slowly over the next two weeks started to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, it turns out she had a very dangerous form of cancer. And we took her to the vet in Greece. They said that they needed to amputate her leg so that it wouldn't metastasize to the rest of her. And I was heartbroken. My dream is to help animals. And the first animal I help here <laughs> gets cancer. Now we're going to be traveling the world in a camper van with a three-legged dog. And we encounter mean strays all the time. Here's my anxiety, right? We encounter all of these mean strays and my dog's not even able to outrun them. But like I said, the universe <laughs> gives you what you need, not what you want. And luckily, she is still the happiest and fastest dog. And since then, our my our project, Feed Australia Day, was born. And we actually help stray dogs in every country that we go to. And it's a Just Care More project. We feed dogs. We give them medication when they need it, flea and tick. And we actually we've rescued three of them now. We have three <laughs> rescue dogs that yeah, are living. we found a, another one made her made her way into From our Turkey. Wolf, our wolf fact. There's been multiple animals that we've taken in and they found them homes. Some of them have been shipped to America. Um, just amazing stories. And that's been for your, me. Your now, passion so that's my passion, right? That's what yeah. that was the other piece of the travel. What do I love to do? Travel, fly, uh, marketing. And helping dogs, and I was able to put them all together in the project. To put but you have a really cool, like what nobody, nobody in the world knows this. This is like, why don't you tell people what you're about to go do? Oh, because, secret squirrel. Because you have a dream. I'm going to Pakistan to reach a dream, and mm-hmm. I, I told Sandra, I says, so, look, yeah, Jamie was going. Um, Jamie's going to Pakistan to go wingsuit base jump. I mean, this is a big project. He's going with his other full send buddy Oliver. And since I don't wingsuit, I say it's probably better to take a, you know, it's always good to have separation in a relationship. Hey guys, nothing's better than when your wife tells you to go away. <laughs> he said, I'm going to go for two weeks. And I was like, well, why don't you go for a month? 
And he kind of looked at me weird, like, what are you thinking? And I had already had this idea in my mind that I wanted to go work in an animal shelter. And I wanted to go volunteer and give them a month of my life to try and help them in as many ways possible, whether it's in marketing, whether it's promoting their shelter to our followers. Taking out dog shit. Taking out dog shit. Real (laughs) talk. My goal is, and so so I'm actually, while Jamie is going to uh, Pakistan this month, I'm going to be spending a month in Portugal at Algarve Animal Shelter and going to be uh, working with them, which I'm super excited about. I'm a little nervous because I'm bringing three dogs with me. And your van the first time on your own, bringing our home across Spain and to get to Portugal. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, we have the same dream, and that's Captain Manicorn, but there's also a split off of dreams, right? So sometimes you have to split ways, in, in a sense, to be able to achieve your own dreams and then come back together. And it, I'm excited that we've found a way to do that. Yeah. My mom used to say the best was like, you know, we know Sandra doesn't really want to travel the world, do all these air sports. She really loves you, Jamie, because like she lets you be exactly who you want to be. And I know that too. I'm like, Sandra, I know that you don't want to fly every day. You don't want to do these things. And I was like, you know, you need to find something that you're passionate about that. That's your mission. I was like, you can just travel the world like in the van and travel with me and be happy. Or you can find something that you can devote your life to. That's, you know, makes people better. And we have a 50, 50 rule. I'm a pirate. I'm telling you guys that now don't underestimate what I'm telling you, but I feel that you have to, if you're going to take 50%, you have to give 50%. So for every 50 cents I take, I give back 50 cents so that I think the pot's even And our ways, giving back to children, giving back to dogs, to shelters of these different things. Right. So that's kind of our way of giving back as the animals. It's called, you know, it's through Jess Caramore, through our charity. And the 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 the, the column is called Feed Australia Day. Mm-hmm. And we drive around with buckets of food and we raise money. Patrons, our patrons donate money and we buy buckets of food. And we every stray that we come across that we see on the side of the highway, we'll stop and feed. And we'll pet them and love on them. And, 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 mm-hmm. uh, and you know, that's how we've ended up with three of them. Uh, but, uh, so this for Sandra, what she's doing is huge because it's, she's not telling the full value. She's, this is the first time that she has split in 12 years gone to do what she wanted to do. Everything from the runs, everything that we've wanted to do has really been me pushing. Like, let's go do this. Let's go do this. And, and, and her just holding on for dear life, like a roller coaster ride, like, okay, we, <laughs> and I'm so proud of her for, for following her dream and even being married in a relationship that we're in, but saying, no, you know what? I need my time too. you go away for a month, go be happy. I want to go work in the shelter and I need to, to kind of fill a hole and give back so that I can recharge my battery. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, I'm not flying back to her. I'm making her cross into Africa, into a different continent with the van without me. Cause I'm way over my Schengen visa right now, like seven months past my Schengen. So I'm pirating even being here. Mm-hmm. So, so I've got to sneak out. I've got to sneak out of Europe. So I've got to take the van solo and the three dogs and go across the border. And I think my driver's license is expired. So, yeah, yeah. so we've got, I've got a slew of obstacles, but like I said, if I want to make this dream happen, it's not going to be easy. So I've got to be able to sacrifice something. So we'll see what happens, but you might have to rescue me. I can't get back to Europe, so good luck. Send help. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Sorry. How are you going to sneak out? <laughs> uh, well, uh, so I've snuck out twice so far. Every Honest. country we've been to, we've always overstayed it. Yeah. Whatever. It's, Other uh, countries, we've gotten a temporary residency. Romania, when the pandemic Turkey. hit, we got residency so we could stay longer. Turkey, you, you pay a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it, it, like I said, we've the one advantage to having all that money uh, was to learn that money, you know, money... Bullshit talks and money walks. So most of the time I just pay fees or I bribe somebody or whatever it is. Um, typically we, we drove out of uh, the EU Schengen to Hungary once into Romania. We got out that way. Yeah, once we just drove out of, uh, out of Greece to Turkey or to Bulgaria, 
He said, you're eight months over your Shang. And he goes, what, what's the deal? And I just looked at him and I said, hey, man, what do you want to do? COVID, you know? And he just looked at We both knew like he would have to fill out paperwork and he would have a lot to do if he chose to do this. And I said, what do you want to do, man? He stamped our visas and get the fuck out of here. So I'm hoping we're going to uh, Barcelona, which is the leanest, uh, like the, here's some tips for your tips, for your tricks for your people that are visiting Europe. If you want to get out of uh, the Schengen and you've overstayed it, the, the best place to do it is from Spain. They are the most lenient on uh, fees and penalties when you're leaving the con- when you're leaving mm-hmm. the Schengen. So sometimes you'll get a slap on the wrist and a fine. I think we had a friend who overstayed by a month and got 250 euros. Yeah, but he left from Slovenia, which is a super strict place. Yeah, the worst case is that you that you get a ban. Right? They say you can't come back for X amount of years. So but that's, that's the worst case. But that's worst case. Mm-hmm. Like I'll 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 use whatever excuses I have to, whether it's the war, Ukraine, <laughs> whether it's my my Romanian visa, whether it's my Turkish got visa, sail, got Norway. stuck in a sailboat. Norway, whatever they want to hear, whatever direction I can see them accepting my bullshit, I'll go down that road. I'll keep playing it out. And two options are going to happen. They're either going to kick me out or uh, I'm going to get out with no, without a problem. Sandra, I was just wondering if you could, I guess, share some advice on managing the anxiety piece. Sounds like it's a big part of your life. And mm-hmm. yet, you know, you're doing all these things, traveling. And I know there's some people listening that deal with that as well i'm sure so of course anxiety can can kick up even more when uh things are unpredictable right and that's mm-hmm. life on the road so a little i i say everything's unpredictable everywhere but maybe a little a little bit more so when you're traveling around <laughs> so what you've learned about that and uh, any advice you can share there Absolutely. And I wish I could tell you that I've knocked off anxiety off my list and I've mastered it and all is good, but that would be the farthest from the truth. And anyone with anxiety or addiction knows that it's a daily battle and it's in the consistency in the daily battles. And honestly, sometimes I win. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I lose horribly. The anxiety takes over and I go into a weak slump of questioning why I'm doing this and, and is this what I what I want to do? So it's very, it can be very consistent. But what I have learned from, what I've learned is that one of the things that works for me is I think about what I've been through in the past and what I've succeeded at and that what I have done well at. And I draw from those experiences. When I'm about to go on a flight and I'm scared, I've broken myself so many times. I've gotten so many injuries. I've made so many mistakes that all I can think about, I'm visualizing myself flying and crashing and getting hurt and I don't have insurance in this country and and if I mess up this landing or if I mess up the launch, I'm going to miss it with Jamie and was he going to get mad because he knows I could have done better and all these things are going through my head. I have to stop and think about, you know what? The last time I flew, I freaking nailed it like to a T and there's not much different from this time and last time. So if I did okay that time, then I think I got it this time. And just being able to say that to myself and take a deep breath, breathing is always important. And to to keep that in the forefront of my mind really helps ease a lot of the anxiety. And that can go for sometimes the, the ex- experiences when we try to find a campsite at night, right? We're traveling, we're in an unfamiliar area, we're going through a forest. My, are we going to get stuck? Are there going to police that are going to come? Are the dogs going to get lost because they just run amok? Is there going to be a wolf out there that's going to eat my one of my dogs? But you know what? Every single time before, it's been fine. And a couple times that it wasn't fine, it ended up being fine. And it was a good laugh. And now it's a good story. So even if something does happen, I think it'll be okay. 
And these are the things that I that I tell myself, even in situations that create the most fear for me. For example, when Jamie goes wingsuit base jumping on a dangerous exit and I'm thinking to myself, I'm standing at the bottom and I'm watching. I can see a little pink and green wingsuit dot on top of the cliff and my mind visualizes him falling off the cliff and messing off the exit and hitting the wall and falling to his death. And the problem is that I get so good sometimes at visualizing the bad things. I don't practice visualizing the good things enough. And that's what I'm actually currently working on. Visualization is so important to success. And it's something that I think I don't really even know how to do, to be honest. So I've been working on visualizing the things that give me anxiety. I'll visualize the the opposite, the best case scenario in my mind. And the more I do that, the more comfortable and the more my anxiety seems to slip into the slip away but it never fully goes away that's the thing about anxiety i've noticed but if i can beat it or at least put it off the side and healthy ways without needing medication then for me it's a win and your board talk about your board your goal board that's your biggest thing how you stay focused oh anxiety. yeah for me being um if i don't have goals set for myself i start to get or and checklists too i don't know if it's like an oct thing i mean i i i struggle with um i don't know what direction to go so for what's really worked for us is we created a goal board and whenever i reach a goal for example it was um calling cold calling people right potential sponsors i don't know if anyone else has done their cold calling it is so scary right so i'm calling companies essentially i'm going to ask them can we do a phone call so i can you can hopefully become a sponsor right in the simplest terms it scared me so much i created a checklist a a, a, on our wall, I created a check mark every time I talked to a person on the phone. And slowly, the thing that gave me anxiety, it still does, let's be honest. But now, at least when I reach the goal of talking to somebody, I get to confidently walk over my board and I can check it off. So for me, having a visualization of overcoming the things that I need to do that give me anxiety has also really helped. Hmm. Cool. Thank you. Super helpful. Jamie, I'm probably never going to wingsuit. I want you to describe like the base jumping and or wingsuiting experience because it looks freaking crazy and cool and what an interesting way to kind of explore nature uh, because you're going to some unique spots that are suited for that, pun intended, I guess. I guess just describe what what that experience is like. Sure. So people say that it's an adrenaline junkie kind of activity. I couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, there's definitely adrenaline that comes with it, but it's, I guess, for me, wingsuiting is overcoming fear. I'm afraid of death. Um, I'm, I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of getting hurt. I'm afraid of this adventure stopping. So for me, wingsuiting is an opportunity for me to go on a hike, stay healthy, uh, have a conversation with myself for two hours on the hike to look at my life, to look at things that maybe uh, people that I'm not at peace with or problems that I have or obstacles that I'm dealing with and to and, and to put them in their place and, and prioritize them, right? Because the, they're not that important in the moment. Uh, if I jump off this cliff and I die, then all of these things are really irrelevant to me and they're only left a mess to Sandra or to my family. So for me, base jumping is an opportunity to prioritize my life, to be able to tell Sandra, I love you. I love my dogs and to know that I'm happy, but I need to do this because if I don't do this, then I, it's like addiction. It's like prison. It's like the the criminal background. It's For me, it's one more thing that I don't want to ha- let have control over me, fear. I don't want to let fear have control 
over me and paralyze me. I'm the opposite of Sandra, right? Like I want to, I want to put myself in situations where I'm uncomfortable because I think I've had somebody tell me recently, I'm most comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, most warriors are the happiest at war. The dangerous, most dangerous time for a warrior is peacetime. We don't know what to do with ourselves. So if I don't have goals, I don't have things I'm afraid of. I don't have obstacles I'm overcoming. Then I, I'm a mess. So wingsuiting is the pinnacle of all of these things. It's like the buildup. It's a, you know overcoming addiction, overcoming uh, you know prison, staying out of prison. Uh, you know all of these things. Base jumping is the the like the buildup for all of it. Because as you you know you got a heavy backpack with a wingsuit and, and and a base rig, and you're on these hikes to the top of a mountain, and you're seeing some places that most people, ninety nine percent of the world, will never even see. You know, 99.9%, let's be honest, there's 8 billion people, right? So 99.9% of the world will never see this view. And that's step one. I'm so fortunate to even be there. And wingsuiting and base jumping is what allowed me the opportunity to see this. Then I've got step two of overcoming all of the fears and anxieties and things that I've had to overcome to get to that point. And then the, the moment of release, the moment of nirvana you you jump right like you just jump and and you're weightless and you're and you're and you're falling for a moment and then all of a sudden you feel the wind starting to come through the vents on the wingsuit the wingsuit starts to inflate you're starting to move a little bit faster the next thing you know you're pulling away from the wall and then you're flying and then all of a sudden all that stress is gone and you're just fucking soaring through the sky like a bird and in that moment nothing else matters there's nothing in the world that compares to that feeling uh, and then the next thing that happens, it's time to deploy your canopy and all of that peace and serenity is gone. And now I'm going to fucking die. And oh shit, if this thing better open, oh fuck me. Oh shit. You reach back with your right hand. You grab this little canopy. It's called a pilot shoot. You've got it. You're like, okay, okay, okay. Step one. But remember, I'm cool. I'm calm. I'm breathing. But in my mind, oh shit. Whoa, what the fuck's going to happen? You reach back. You grab this pilot shoot. You grab a hold of it and you throw that motherfucker because, you know, you, you, and that little pilot shoot has to inflate. It has to pull the other canopy off your back. And there's a moment where nothing, it's silent. It's like the eeriest thing in the world because there's a, a second between the, the pilot shoot inflating with air. It's got a nine foot bridle attached to your pins. So there's that moment where you throw the canopy, it inflates. It's extending the bridle and you're waiting for it to pop the pins. And that is the scariest moment of my life. Not the jump. Who cares about that? That's easy. You can do that. But I'm, I have no control in this moment. Did I pack my parachute right? Did I do this good? Did I, is this not going to open? Am I going to die? So then, and now, now they, they, when they say your life flashes between before your eyes, that's the moment right there for me. So my life flashes before my eyes and all of a sudden I feel the pins open. You land, you give high fives, you're, you know, the, 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 the adventure that you just shared with your friend, with Sandra, you know, like you, like everybody is on another level of cloud nine. And the best part is you can pack your parachute and you can go do it again and again and again and again, and you get better and the opportunities grow and, you know, and then that's the passion and the discipline and you get to do things, you know, like fly over K2 or, you know, fly over castles and, you know, like it's, it's just an amazing experience. And, um, there's a very, it's, it's the most dangerous sport in the world. They say the only sport that's more dangerous is, uh, you know, um, mountaineering above 8,000 feet, you know, the death zone, but the majority of the people, the, 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 the ratio of people dying doing that is pretty high as well. You know, like one out of every four people who climb K2. So th there's a pretty high ratio of death to that, but it's also pretty high for wingsuiting. The mistakes you can make, you know, it's, 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 it's user error. 
you know, to, you packed it wrong. Or maybe before why, you know, again, why one of the reasons I went sober was because I was afraid that I was going to make a mistake while I was on drugs and I was going to pack my parachute wrong and I would die, you know, because of a mistake I made on drugs. So that's why I, I never party. I never even touch something. If I know I'm going to jump in a day or two days, like my mind is absolutely clear. I've dealt with all my demons. I've dealt with Sandra, my relationship, everything. And before I go on a hike, everything in my life has to be in order. That's a hell of a thing to have, you know, that clarity. Like I know my dream, my life is in order. I'm going to go overcome this obstacle. I'm going to fly. It's going to be the most beautiful thing in the world. And I'm going to see something that nobody else or very few people in the world have ever seen. I'm going to keep moving on, baby, because tomorrow's a new day and a new adventure. And because you keep doing this, you're essentially putting your life in order, facing all that each time. Yeah, exactly. You have to. You, you have to. It's, you know. Yeah. You, you have to. It's it's scary. I actually took a break from base jet wingsuiting for three years. I had gotten into it in 2016. I had like 18 friends die. It was the worst year in base jumping history. Oh my gosh. Of yeah, it in was like terrible. One summer. In one summer. It was, it was uh, crazy. I had some accidents and I actually scared well, the, myself. The first time that I watched Jamie jump from a cliff in Norway, in a actually. In, in, uh, a, good vloggin. <laughs> good vloggin, which was quite an interesting experience because he went with a friend to make a funny video for a contest. So him and his friend were naked under their wingsuits. Well, they had like socks on their cocks. So, cock socks, happy yeah. face and a sad face. So, so the whole jump was just kind of a funny experience. But I'm at the ground watching and Jamie actually had a malfunction when he pulled his parachute and ended up getting line twists. And I'm just watching him uh, try to kick out of it and save himself as he disappears behind the trees where there's power lines. And that was the first time I'd watched him base jump. I was like, I hate this. I, so I've had my own long relationship with Jamie base jumping. Um, so then I told him that I hate it. I don't like you doing this. And then when everyone died, it kind of, he also, he, he was scared. You know, if the best in the world are dying, what chance does he have? Yeah. Um, but then he ended up seeing a video of somebody doing this crazy sport with this little parachute flying, speed, in, flying. speed flying, flying in between uh, close to walls. And he showed me a video. His name is Jamie Lee, famous speed flyer, and said, I'm going to go. I think I'm going to learn how to do this. Uh, and that's going to kind of replace wingsuit base jumping. And I said, sure. Sounds like that's it's got to be better. Right. Little did I know that after going to the when he went to go get certified, I was like, OK, maybe I'll try something similar. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, but now I'm full-time wingsuiting again. I've had the best summer of my life in Norway. Overcame those obstacles. I, I feel safer. It's not to say that I'm not going to go die tomorrow. It's a very good possibility. But to know that I could make this jump and that, that jumping over this castle is a possibility, uh, but to not do it because I'm afraid of dying, that would be even worse than dying itself. That would be, I'd, I'd be back where I started. So. And you've done all the steps as well to get to a point where he's confident, where I'm confident in his But ability. I'm not complacent. I'm still scared. I'm still very wary. I'm still very cautious. Uh, I'm not cocky or arrogant about it. I don't think I'm a cool kid. I'm actually the opposite of that. So it's for me, it's a very methodical pack job. And, you know, I'm very uh, analytical. I'm very sort safety oriented. I'm very, very aware of weather and what's going on. And so I, I take all of these things into consideration before I make a jump. So I'm yeah, not. He's reading literally meteorology books to just give you an idea of how He's trying to learn. He's not just out there, you know, licking his finger like, yeah, yeah, that seems fine. So there's a lot of that goes into it. But it is still, uh, what is that? Uh, the definition of, uh, uh, what is that theory? All that can go wrong will go wrong. Murphy's, Murphy's law. law. At the end of the day, shit still happens. Welcome to base jumping. So that's the yeah. risk I'm willing to take. This K2 one sounds pretty intense. You're jumping from helicopters. 
Yeah. Well, so the, the mountain's at like 23,000 something feet. So we're, we're going there uh, next month to try to work with the military and, and the politics and all it's that. It's a military airspace. So, so obstacle one, yeah, be allowed so to fly over. We're going there to deal with that and to schmooze and wooze and use all my skills to, to hopefully bullshit my way into the, the carton getting of cigarettes should work, right? Carton That's of cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to try to get our way over there. No, they're great culture. I mean, come on, let's be honest. They have five of the tallest mountains in the world in Pakistan. It's an untapped resource for adventure. No one's ever done a wingsuit base jump out there. So, and we've got some really good connections and people support team already there. That's helping us put all this together. So we're hoping that we can, it's an expensive, so it's obviously we have a long ways to go. Step one, get permission, step, uh, you know, then put it all together. Then it's going to be about a $20,000 project, which we don't have money for. So then we're going to have to get sponsorship and go down that whole road to pull this off by, I think June is our goal to actually jump K2. And, in turn, and just to share a little bit about obstacles, what, what makes it interesting is that because we go to such off the beaten path places and getting crazier, I mean, we're going to be heading to Africa and then after that, the Middle East, uh, we actually had a sponsor turn us down because he is going to Pakistan and said that that would uh, clash with their company's objectives. And for us, we didn't even think about that. Like for us, we're just, you know, these countries are are amazing places. And of course, there's bad people, there's bad governments, but this isn't that every country. So it's interesting that, um, you know, having a, it was the first time we were like, oh, you know, these countries could actually. They didn't want their brand affiliated with Pakistan. I'm like, why? Who cares? They're Pakistan, mm-hmm. they're, they're their people. Who cares? There's great people everywhere. So yeah, that's that. Mm. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Where you guys are at right now and everything that you've done and your whole journey and a lot of it that we've talked about today, I'm just wondering what are kind of like, yeah, what's the biggest lesson right now in your life that you're like taking from all of this, like in this moment today? Go hard. Go hard. When people tell you slow down and they, I think the biggest for me, for me, I, I don't know for Sandra, she's yeah. hers is her own. But mm-hmm. for me, sorry, Freedom, stop snoring, baby. I mean, oh, sorry, Giselle, sorry. Uh, the biggest lesson I, I've learned is that my only. I thought you were just a heavy breather. James. No, that's freedom <laughs> snoring. My little, little, like pit a little bull. Piggy. Yeah, I just. <laughs> I'm really in shape for <laughs> K2. I've been training every day. Uh, no, uh, go hard. You know, like I, I'm. A, I, I don't. For me, uh, wake up early. You know, four thirty, five o'clock, three thirty. I don't care what time it is, and use every minute of that day to reach your dream. Like that. The world, I'm afraid, you know, like uh, it's going to come so quick. I'm 40 now, then you're 50, you're 60, you're 70. And you have to look back and, you know, we are our own judge. You know, did I accomplish what I wanted? And I might never get a TV show. I might never be the athlete I want to be, but it won't be because I didn't try. It will just be that, you know, it, it, the networks didn't want me or it just wasn't right for TV or it wasn't the right time or who knows the reasons why the universe did not let it be, but it will not be because of a lack of effort. So that, go hard. Like, you know, like I, I think the biggest lesson is my five-step program. I literally live it every day. I don't go one day without enforcing it. What step are we at? You know, I like I've get, you know, I've reset, I've hit the reset button a lot. You know, I've walked away from businesses, you know, I've walked away from everything you can think of. And I just keep hitting that reset button. If we're going a direction with our business that I don't like, it gets away from our mission to inspire people. We have one simple goal. We want to inspire people with our story, with our mission. And, and, and everything that we do should, should stick to that mission. We want to create content, create a story, create a TV show that inspires people to get off the fucking couch and, and go follow your dreams. So that's my biggest lesson is, is find something that you're willing to, 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 to die for. And, and I mean, like, I hope I'm, I feel very fortunate that I have something I'm willing to die for. I'm willing to die to inspire people to, to live their best life. And, and in order to do that, 
I have to live my best life. I can't have, I don't believe in telling people anything. I don't believe in, if you do this, this will happen. If you follow these five steps, it's going to happen. I, I, that doesn't work. It didn't work for me. I, I, you, know, you can tell, you, know, you can lead a horse to water. It doesn't matter. None of that shit matters. We do it by showing people that it can be done. I'm not telling you to do anything that I'm not currently going through right now. I'm, I'm living this program. I'm living step, you know, one through four. Uh, I'm overcoming obstacles every day. I'm battling vehicles, laws, governments, predictions, depressions, you know, mental health. I'm battling all of those daily as, as, as we talked about, but I don't let it stop me. I just keep going. I keep pushing. So go hard, go hard, figure something out that you're willing to die for and, and, and go all in. That's life. Yeah. That's well put. That's a great question. What's the biggest lesson? And I guess for me, the way that I would answer that is how transformative travel can really be. I think that there's different kind of travelers I've noticed. And for me personally, when I came out here to travel, I thought we were just going to be driving around and having a great old time. And Jamie always asked, he would always ask me like, why are you not stoked? I always kind of had this like, like um, underlying unstoked attitude about things. And I couldn't really figure it out. I was like, I, I mean, if I feel stoked, I think, I think I'm stoked. I think I'm happy. But I always kind of realized that I had this piece of me that wasn't stoked. And through travel, and, and it's taken years and still, still currently in it, I finally started to realize that the person I was before I started traveling and like Jamie said, was not the person that I wanted to be. And I had never done step one, which was figure out your dreams. I was just wandering through life like like Dora, where she doesn't know who she is or what she's doing. And she's going around the pole over and over. And I'd never taken the time to figure out who I was and what made me happy. And when we started traveling, it was a slow process. And I'm still in the process. But I've been able to slowly figure out the things that I love, the things that make me happy and how to incorporate them into my daily lives, as well as through the travel, being able to uncover the fact that I do struggle with anxiety because I never thought it was a problem, even though my mom suffers from it, my grandma and my dad. I was like, I'm fine. I have no I have no problems. Right. I'm there's nothing there's there's nothing that I'm struggling with. And through the power of, of traveling, I was able to uncover these things about myself. And I don't think that that's something that people do enough is put themselves in, you know, slightly uncomfortable situations. It doesn't have to be travel. It can just be doing new experiences to figure out I like this and I don't like this. I think that there in Norway, there's actually a program that I think is amazing called the uh, Fukai. 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 Fuck high program. school, something. It, it, it sounds like fuck high school. Yeah. Um, fuck high school. And it's a we learned about when you're in Norway, and after you know what I'm talking about. He's like, that's it's yeah, it's 18 year old can after, get to go yeah, do it. Yeah. After high school, they have this school that kids can go to, and it's essentially you can go and if you kind of like skiing, you take a skiing course, you can take a travel course, you can take a. They have all these different classes on different topics, just of of hiking and guiding, and you can try different things. And it's I think and it counts as school course, right? Like two years. And you just try all these different activities and figure out what you like. And I think that's amazing because I'd never done anything like that. I had turned 18. I got out of my my um, behavior modification program. I just started doing drugs. And then eventually I was like, okay, maybe I should quit meth after hitting rock bottom. And I started drinking. And then I met Jamie and we started these businesses. So I never had the time to figure out what do I like? What do I love? So I think for me, 
that's been the biggest lesson is the self-discovery that comes with travel and putting yourself in new experiences. External, external exploration to create internal uh, satisfaction. No, just external and internal exploration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number one sort of practical travel tips. You guys have been all over the place now. <laughs> practical? People out there. Listen, bury your shit, throw your toilet paper away. There's my travel tip. You want to be better a human being? Throw your damn toilet paper away, all you van lifers and all you travelers out there. That would help save the world right there. Quit leaving your shit everywhere and quit leaving your toilet paper because well, you're going to fuck it up for everybody. Sense. That's yeah. not a practical. Obviously, it's not common sense if ever there's shit and toilet paper everywhere. Because mm-hmm. my dogs eat it. It's fucking disgusting. I'm tired of it. <laughs> yeah, that face you're making right now, yeah, it's real shit. And my dog come back and they have shit all over their face. People, come on. <laughs> or frozen. No. The face was I made. I was making was thinking about your dog kissing you after your after. Yeah, yeah, no. We have at least <laughs> enough kisses after two hour rule. B- the biggest <laughs> the biggest travel tip is this: is 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 don't listen to anybody. Every country we go to, to the right of them, they say it's the worst country. Don't go there; it's unsafe. And mm-hmm. and don't listen to the media. Don't listen to the news. Don't listen to any of those things because remember, all of those things are propaganda machines, and their whole job is to tell you unless the neg- someone that's been unless to they're the tell their 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 job is to tell you the negative things the things that are wrong and the bad, that's how they get their ratings and go meet these people, go get the experience yourself. Don't listen to people out there. If you've met somebody who had a terrible experience and learn from their terrible experience, try not to make that yourselves. Like Sandra said, but ultimately number one um, travel tip is don't listen to people and keep going, keep going to the next destination because it's, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And mine would be, I don't know if it's a great tip, but Mine would be that sometimes you have to kind of bend the rules a little bit and you have to push past what you think might be okay. Um, I've noticed that there's been, and and you have to be willing to be told no. (laughs) You have to sometimes ask very uncomfortable questions because you have no other option. If you need to get across a border and you have, they need 20 euros if you want to get into Turkey and you don't have any euros. This is what actually happened. You have to be able to ask, can I just run to the ATM in the middle of Turkey in the middle of the night to be able to get some cash? Or can I go into the convenience store and ask people if they can, if you can give them different kind of money or pay for their drinks so that they can give you cash? I mean, you have to be able to not accept no as an answer, not accept no as an answer and be able to push the boundaries of your own comfort zone. And I think that's been one of the hardest parts, I think, of traveling. But also our largest strength, because I hate being told no. It's my biggest pet peeve. So if someone tells me no, I'm going to figure out a way to do it anyways. So they keep telling us no, and we keep getting through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Uh, why don't you take the time here to just share the various things? Well, if anybody listened to 146 uh, hour and 46 minutes of this, you definitely dig in our story and you like us for whatever reason. You think we're fucking chaos, which we are. You like <laughs> want to hear more about our dogs. Uh, the biggest thing is just go to captainmanicorn.com. From there, you can obviously uh, choose your network, whether you want to watch us on YouTube, or listen to our podcast, Adventures of Captain Manicorn, follow, follow us on Instagram can. for our daily stories. Email newsletter. We Email newsletters. We uh, essentially, we know everybody likes to receive their content differently. Me personally, I like to see photos on Instagram and I like to read blogs, right? So I don't necessarily like YouTube, but I like podcasts because I can do other things. So that's why we have a various methods that we share our content using our blogs, using our galleries, using our website, using social networks. So you can receive the content in whatever way you like the best. But what I would say is the one call to action is go to captainmanicorn.com. From there, you, you can choose how you want to have it. So go to www.captainmanicorn.com. Mm-hmm. Cool. And just care more 
dot com. That's your the nonprofit that's still going. Is yeah. The- well, just Captain Manicorn is a uh, is a sister company to that. So justcaremore dot org uh, is a five hundred one c nonprofit. So just uh, Captain Manicorn is a parent co- or sister company. I don't know how it works. It's a it's a company below it because uh, everything we do is mm-hmm. essentially to give back. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. want to get involved with our feet astray and maybe help the upcoming shelters that we have coming up this month, you can always go to captainmanicorn.com and click on the feet astray to learn a little bit more about that and get involved. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you guys for your time. Next time we can continue on in person. If you can make it past the high Norwegian seas, then <laughs> find a way to make it happen. But I uh, appreciate you taking the time here to to share your stories and just being, uh, yeah, just so authentic and honest with everything and good luck of, you know, flying over K2 and, you know, driving vans to Portugal and where, whatever, all the things you got coming up and uh, <laughs> look forward to staying in touch with you guys. Uh, thank you guys, uh, all the listeners out there for giving us the opportunity and thank you, my man, for having us on your show. Yes, thank you so much. Take care. There you have it. Special thanks to Jamie and Sandra from CaptainManicorn.com for stopping by the show, wishing them the best of luck as they continue to chase their world record and their travel dreams. You heard about the reality of their journey getting to travel. Everybody's journey is different, and I'm always fascinated to hear that transition to travel and how people managed it. Uh, I want to take a moment to remind you of two things quickly. First of all, a quick thanks to... KPAC fam for the five-star review vicariously traveling they said this show keeps getting better loving the guests and topics especially the gap year episode because our family's considering a gap year or at least gap summers and we have a junior in high school love to visit places by listening as I walk on the treadmill imagine being somewhere else or planning my next trip thank you for that review if you haven't taken time to leave a review and you want to do that always helps the show get out there which in turn helps more people travel. That's the idea for the show, helping people travel on their terms. And I also want to invite you to get in touch. You don't have to leave a review. You can leave me a voicemail, drop me an email, share some tips on travel, maybe your best travel tip. Just let me know what you're up to. Say hello. It's all good. I I would love to share more from the community, but I need to hear from you. And I don't want this to be a one-way conversation. So just another reminder to please get in touch. Jason at zerototravel.com. But my preferred message is a voicemail so if you have 90 seconds you can click that link in all the show notes and leave me a message and i will send you a personal message back because i love to hear from listeners just wanted to give you a quick reminder there and i'm going to share a quote i found when i searched quotes on tenacity and i found this one from f scott fitzgerald and i will leave you with this never confuse a single defeat with a final defeat Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Peace and love to you and yours. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.